We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays, everyone. We've got the whole team here. I am Steve Perhatch and joined weekly, as always, by Dusty Evely and Sarah Kelleher. What's going on, guys? Uh, missed you guys last week. Missed you guys last week. For sure. I'm happy to be back, kicking off the new year, doing this, because we always have so much fun. So this will be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always kind of weird when we actually don't talk to each other for more than a, like six or seven days at a time. I mean, it, there's normally a twi- an ongoing Twitter uh, DM between the three of us, but, man, it's uh, it's good to be back talking some Packers football. The Packers had the bye week. Um, so we've got some playoff football coming up. So it's just, it's a wonderful time of year, uh, to be an NFL fan. It's always looking forward to some great matchups this weekend. But before we even get into anything about the Green Bay Packers, uh, I wanted to see, I sent you guys this list. It's, um, ranking the ESPN did a ranking of the quarterbacks that are, remaining in the playoffs, 1 through 12. Um, And I just want to run through this really quick because it's kind of shocking, and I want to get some uh, reactions from you. Number one is Lamar Jackson. So, okay, he's had an outstanding year. Totally cool with that. Then we're going Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes. That rounds out the top four. Then you've got Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins at number seven. 
followed up by Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady at 10, and then comes the Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers at 11 out of 12. So they're saying the only quarterback that he's better than is number 12, Josh Allen. Who's barely, so Sarah, barely a quarterback. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Sarah, what are you thinking? What's uh, Is this kind of like hot takey? Is this just look, looking for clicks? What's going on? I, I think, you know, there's some reason behind it. If they're, you know, using certain statistics and everything, I can see where, especially with the last couple of games, how Rodgers could have fallen down the list a little bit. And then you have guys like Lamar Jackson that have just absolutely been phenomenal this year that are obviously – you know, a big part of why their team made it to the post. And so, of course, they're going to be ranked higher. But um, I was a little surprised to see Wentz and um, Kirk Cousins above Rodgers. I just think those were two that I was a little questionable about because, I mean, yes, in the last couple of weeks, Rodgers hasn't looked maybe his best. But I think overall and just based on the entire season and what's gone on, there's been, you know, I think Rodgers has kind of had the upper hand with that but again I see where they're coming from with the different types of stats and what they're using and I think it's really just depends you know anyone could make a list like that and really say like hey you know based on my opinion or what I'm comparing these are the best quarterbacks besides you know the top maybe one through three spots so it's a little weird I don't know if it's clickbaity but it's definitely something that they want people to talk about and they want people to kind of debate and see what falls there I think it's kind of what that's going for and you know, I don't agree with everything, but I do understand how maybe they got to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I do when, when they release these things is you kind of look at methodology, and they touch on a little at the beginning. Basically, they use uh, their total QBR, which QBR is um, ESPN's uh, essentially revamping of the QB rating metric that they've revamped themselves, but as far as I know, have never fully said what goes into that. And so my, my trust for it is fine-ish, I guess. It's supposed to take into account context. I generally go... Football Outsiders DVOA for that stuff, but they use their QBR, expected expected points per play, uh, completion percentage over expectation, and completed air yards over expectation. Those were the four main metrics they used for this. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I buy kind of with Sarah. It's You take some of the stuff with a grain of salt, you're looking at this through numbers, and statistically, statistically, Rodgers didn't have a great year, and beyond statistically, even some of the advanced metrics uh, don't look highly upon him. And I, I so I get that. Um, I think... I've always been a guy, uh, and you know, I've talked about it here, and I feel like it's just the general feeling you should get if you talk to me. Um, I've always had the feeling that, that marry, marrying the uh, film and um, and stats is kind of the best way to look at this stuff. Looking strictly at the stats give you the bigger picture, I think, of stuff, and then the film definitely helps add context to them and stuff. So I think uh, you know Rogers, and you could say the same thing for I think Wentz, which Wentz is a little higher there. Is just this it, he the people he's been playing with the new system all of that context I don't think Rodgers has looked as bad as the numbers have shown even from this past week he has still been off and so I had him I kind of re ranked it myself I think I had him eighth um, I, I I had him slightly below Tannehill and Wentz but above uh, Garoppolo and Cousins like I get that Cousins numbers look good um, I also know what Cousins has looked like when I've watched him and he'll just do dumb things and sometimes he doesn't get killed for them so. Yeah, it is weird seeing him at 11, um, but I also know he hasn't had the greatest season. So it's, it's, I don't know, lists don't really make me mad. I'm old at this point. Lists don't make me mad or upset me um, because that's the whole point of lists is to make people mad and upset them. It's like, okay, that's weird, but I've got my own opinion, and, and I'll, no one cares about that either. Um, 
But it is, it is weird to see him 11th, but not if you really want, weird. If you want to see people mad, start talking about the NFL top 100 of all oh time. Oh, my God. Woo, that list is okay. created so that people can be – it's 100% created for that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know. I tweeted I tweeted that out that like the the whole point is for like everybody that's complaining and arguing about it is that they're feeding right into the NFL's marketing plan of like hey, we need everybody to talk about this. Let's make let's make this list really dumb that way everybody talks about it. So, I thought at first when I saw the list I'm like 11th, what the hell is going on? This is just dumb. This is a stupid list and then you start thinking about it and he hasn't, he hasn't played all that well this year. I mean, we're used to Aaron, quote, perfect Rodgers, and it hasn't been that way for a while. And um, the way that he's not depended on to win the game anymore, like, I, again, I think we're all in the same boat of probably he should have been a little bit higher, but, I mean, it is what it is. If, if he starts winning, if he wins three games, they're Super Bowl champions, and he's number one on the list. So, I mean, and even if even if you're saying he's higher, I mean, I think all of us are in agreement. Even if we think he's higher, he's like three spots higher. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can't really argue with Lamar. You can't the way Drew Brees is playing, Russell Wilson, um, Mahomes, like all those people. Like they're, 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 even they're like higher the, on him. We talk about Tannehill. The way Tannehill's played this year, especially down the stretch, like in that offense, Tannehill's been really good this year as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to argue with some of those guys. So for the Pack a Day podcast, we uh, we always get topics from Andy, um, which is a huge shout out to him because a lot of the times in the doldrums of the off season, we don't have a lot to talk about, and he gives us some good stuff. So we are in a bye week now, obviously with the playoffs and uh, brand new year, twenty twenty. What up? We're gonna do a year in review for the Green Bay Packers. So we kind of decide to break it down as. The off-season review, a uh, review of the offense, a review of the defense, and a couple other little things here and there. So we're going to start with the off-season. Dusty, I'm going to let you just give us a recap of the coaching situation, how it all went down, and then if Sarah and I have anything to add in, we'll do that. Yeah, uh, Mike McCarthy, no longer around. I mean, that happened at the end of last season. Uh, you know, Philbin was gone. Uh, they, they retained Petten, which was good. I'm not going to touch on everyone that kind of came in, but the two big guys – uh, a little man you may not have heard of. His name is uh, Matt LaFleur. You know about Matt LaFleur? He's handsome. He's real handsome. And this time I'm going to talk to both of you guys. Steve and Sarah, <laughs> he, he's super handsome. He's real handsome. I like his beard. Um, and also it's him and Nathaniel Hackett, who at the time I know a lot of people were kind of this, – this guy was <laughs> – uh, this guy was uh, the Jaguars things. The Jaguars aren't good. This is bad. Um, but I know we had kind of talked about, and a lot of that people kind of cooled on that after a while, just the pairing of them and how that was going to go. And I think it's gone really, really well. I mean, I, I, I think um, I think Lafour is still kind of trying stuff out. I'll talk about I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think these guys coming in, I mean, regardless of what you want to say as far as some of the bumps they've hit, as far as Rogers' season, as far as some of that stuff, they've used Aaron Jones more. You know, thousand plus yard season for him. Uh, and the Packers are 13-3 and three and going back to the playoffs, as we just talked about, with a bye in the two seed their first year. Um, so those were the two big guys, and I think I think they still have work to do. I think they're, they're still not uh, not their final form. I don't think they're probably going to hit that fully until next year. But, uh, yeah, the pairing of Hackett and LaFleur has gone just absolutely beautifully, I think, this first year. Okay, so overall recap from Dusty the Packers have a very very handsome head coach mm-hmm. outstanding I think that's uh, the best way to recap the off se- that uh, coaching offseason for the Packers um, Sarah why don't you hit us up with what happened in the draft for the Packers this year 
yeah, so the draft, um, I'll kind of just summarize. Basically, um, everybody knows what happens there, but uh, um, the guys I'm going to talk about that the Packers drafted are Jenkins, Gary, and Savage. I think those are the three guys that we've really seen, you know, make an impact, that have seen t- significant time on the field, and that we can really make, you know, smart judgment calls about. And I think three of them have all been great. Um, Gary, I know, was a little slower to progress than a lot of people would have liked, and I think people were quick to pick on him, but I think we've seen improvement from him all season long. I mean, he has great guys to learn from, and Zedarius from Preston Smith and other guys on that defense, and I think over the years he's going to develop into a really you know, strong defensive player for the Packers, so that's definitely great to see. And I think Jenkins has just been huge. I mean, his he's been tremendous at times this year, and I think definitely – he has been surprising. I think we knew what he was capable of, but just go back to the draft and, you know, hear his name called. And I was just kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, that's great. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then now seeing him and just what he's been able to do. And he's just so much fun to watch and he's really done a great job. And I think moving forward and especially, you know, in the postseason and stuff, he is just going to be a key part of their success. And then, Obviously, Savage is kind of the same way. I mean, it was another guy that we knew his athletic ability and what he was going to be able to bring to the table eventually, but, you know, right away to come in. And I think we talked about this a little while back when training camp started that right away he was, like, with the ones after, I think, he was the one that got wisdom teeth surgery, right, Mm -hmm. if I remember. And then right when he came back, he was, like, with the ones. And everyone was freaking out about that, I remember. It was like, oh, my (laughs) gosh. And, you know, right away he – he was there, and he's been making plays, and I think he's just going to be fantastic moving forward. So a great draft for the Packers. I know with um, Sternberger, we haven't got to see much of him because of his injury, and he was on IR, but we have been able to see a little bit. And so I think moving forward, again, he'll be someone else that's really fun to watch, and hopefully you know, the potential that we saw and other people saw in him, he can you know, fulfill that potential and, and then some. So I think it was a great draft for the Packers, and looking forward to seeing, you know, what those rookies are able to do in the postseason and in seasons to come as well. Yeah, for having a bunch of stinkers the last couple of years draft-wise, I think, you know, it feels like they actually really hit on multiple picks early on, uh, so that's really exciting. And uh, to wrap up the offseason, I'm going to cover what the Packers did in free agency, which was blow everybody's freaking mind. <laughs> uh, we had not seen signings like this in so long. Uh, so they started off by getting Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos right away, and then even inking Billy Turner to a contract as well. And, I mean – it's pretty self-explanatory what that has meant to the defense and what that has meant to the offensive line. They have all stayed healthy the entire season. They played, I believe in 16 games for all four of them. And then um, they've just dominated. The Smiths have been outstanding. Adrian Amos is that safety that everybody's been begging for in green Bay forever. Um, And Billy Turner's been, I think I would say, like continually improving, like he started off a little rough at, at times, and even every once in a while, there's still a couple of plays here and there. But I mean, at right guard, he's doing he's doing well enough to the point that the Packers have one of the best offensive lines in football. So overall, I mean, you got three real big hit, re, real big home runs for the Packers, and and Billy Turner as a very solid pick. Uh, so it's it's really exciting, and as a preview for next year, is is the Packers end up cutting a few players. 
<laughs> Jimmy Graham. Um, they <laughs> should actually have roughly $40 million to play with. I mean, there's going to be extensions for a couple of guys, hopefully, and things like that, but that gives them some money to potentially play around with and sign a, a wide receiver, maybe a different tight end, something like that, uh, you know, to – I don't think it'll be as impactful as this year, but I mean, they still can go out and find one or two good starters out there. And, uh, it's an exciting time when you have a GM that wants to go ahead and do those things. So, um, that kind of wraps up the off season for the Packers. Like it was a, it was a really solid off season overall. Like, you know, they made a good higher coaching. They did, they had a great draft. They signed impact free agents, which, and then they, they won in the regular season. I think for me, that was a big thing because. Mm-hmm. Half the time, it's always you make fun of all the teams that sign the free agents because, like, yeah, you know, win a Super Bowl in March, that's for sure. But they did; they signed free agents. They had a good draft. They got the coach they wanted, and they was, they got themselves to a thirteen and three record. So, pretty pretty outstanding so far. Next thing we're going to do is jump into offense and defense and kind of do a yearly a year recap of what what we saw. So, obviously, with everything that goes down for the offense, Sarah, we're going to have you cover that. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, I get it. I get it. I got the, I got the dad the jokes. panic that came over me, me. You were like, Sarah, you're going to do it. And I was like, please, no. <laughs> uh, all right, Dusty, do your thing. What did you see over the whole year from the Packers offense? I saw a lot of fun things. I continue to see a lot of fun things. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll talk about it um, yeah, probably probably again in a little bit when we talk about something else. But, like, I like you. They kind of came out the gate a little slow. You knew with the, the Hackett thing. I think one of the – one of the one of the things I had on Hackett earlier in the season, like when the hire was, was I I'm a big believer in I like the the idea of tying the passing game to the running game, but I'm also a big believer in the passing game uh, being better than the running game. I think that's that's fairly common sense right now. Uh, not to say you, you, you that's just a ban on the running game altogether, but when I heard Hackett was coming over and they were going to emphasize the run game, it was this kind of crap. Is this they, all they're going to do is run? Um, is that is that what they're going to be focusing on? And there has been some runs. That they have they have focused on some of that, but also what they built off of that has been so interesting. Some of the play action stuff, which that's been one of my things. That the the, the, the uh, play action has not been as they they haven't done as well or as much of the play action as I kind of thought. So I kept waiting for that to show up. That and the tempo are the two things I kept waiting to show up. But they kind of started out slowish with what they've showed. You know, they kind of had to they had to get out of the gate a little early. Uh, a few games in, they kind of started showing some more stuff, and then every week you're seeing new, new stuff uh, or building off of old stuff uh, to the point where I think by week 15, they were kind of running through a whole bunch of stuff. So there, there was, you know, running concepts off of concepts, and then now they're kind of going back to basics a little, and I counted uh, seven seven slight variations of the mesh concepts just in week 17. But some of that's back to basics. I, I think there's, a, it, there's part of it that... And I've said this before, this still feels a year too early, maybe. It feels like they're, you know, a piece or two away on offense. Another speed receiver, which we're starting to see some with Irvin. But kind of building that and getting all those tendencies set, I think we've talked about that before, that it's hard to hard to fully run off your tendencies when you haven't fully set up your tendencies yet because you've only been there for a year. So I think uh, I do still think they're probably a year away. But even based on that, I mean, they're, they're still tinkering a little. They're still kind of going back to basics. They're seeing what works. Uh, and they're kind of hitting what works. And, and one of the exciting things we've seen is they're game planning game by game. They're not just rolling the same stuff out there every week, regardless of the opponent. They're looking at the opponent. 
and they're trying to hit them somewhere with something that they think will work that maybe they wouldn't have the week before because the opponent didn't quite line up. So I think those things specifically, just seeing seeing how they're building, seeing some of the sequencing, and I've said this before with McCarthy, I think some of the, the offensive concepts McCarthy was running in his past two years uh, he was. If you look at concepts alone, were fine. He was running stuff that the Rams were running. That the you know, Titans and you know, some of those other teams running the same stuff. Th- they were running a lot of that same stuff. It was just a matter of when he was running it, what he was running it off of, and who he's running it with. I think there's so much stuff this year that the floor is is running three games after he runs the original concept, but he's running it, you know, with some of the different personnel or with the, with the correct personnel, at least the personnel I would like to see out there in the right positions. I think I think some of that stuff as far as the sequencing and personnel and how they're running this stuff and when they're running it, I think it's just been such a huge upgrade this year uh, and it's been impossible to ignore. So, I mean, I could, you know, I could talk about this for hours. I will not. I will stop here. <laughs> but I think uh, I think it's been a really exciting first year and, and, you know, the season's not over yet. It's still the postseason. I'm really excited to see what they cook up uh, with this bye week because they have been the last two weeks were really more of a back to basics type of thing to where I feel like they could break out some fun stuff. They ran, uh, I wrote about it. I wrote about it. It's coming out. It'll be out today, I guess. Uh, but they essentially ran the same exact play twice. I did a video on that from different looks. And they also ran different plays out of the same exact formation three different times this past week. To me, that kind of looks like setting something up for the playoffs. And regardless of what they do in the playoffs, I think next year is going to be a boatload of fun because then they got a full year. So I, I mean, the question marks that some people may have had coming into the season about about Lafleur specifically, um, I knew there were people. You know, he's young, he hadn't done much. Tennessee offense wasn't great that year. It's just an absolute home run, man. Just a home run on every level, and the, I think the offense has the offense has showed that. Um, what, a little herky jerky at times, but I think some of the stuff they're running out there, some of it's small stuff like execution, which will get cleaned up, and just guys not necessarily knowing. Just to get the guys a little fuzzy. It's first year in the system, but I think just based on what they're running. Oh my gosh, it's it's been a tremendously fun year to watch. All right, Sarah, hit us up with the defense. Oh, I love how I have to follow that up. <laughs> but okay, so basically with the defense, I think it's been an exciting year on their end as well. Um, there was a lot of promise, and I think with some of you know what we've already talked about, some of the draft picks and some of the free agent. Um, signings and just everything that was going on there was there was a lot of excitement surrounding that and I think right away in week one I mean there's the famous we got a defense from (laughs) Aaron Rodgers and that was just the first time I was like okay maybe we do maybe we really do have a defense and I think you know in the first couple of weeks they really performed well and they played strong but then I know kind of in the early to middle of the season they got exposed a little bit um, sometimes in the run game but other than that, I think the main thing about this defense is that they've been able to make stops when they, like the big crucial stops when they need to. Um, this past week being a perfect example, you know, they were able to keep Green Bay in that game. And that's something that they utilized so much this year that they had been missing so, so badly in the past couple of years. I mean, there would be games where Aaron Rodgers would play out of his mind, but the Packers defense could not keep the other team from scoring and they would still lose games because of that. And so, you know, to have Rodgers and you not performing as well this year and the Packers maybe not putting as much points on the board as they could and still winning games because this defense is able to keep them in has been a huge part of their success. And that has been, I think, the best thing that could have happened for this team 
um, defensively. There's obviously been guys like Zaveria Smith and Preston Smith who have completely, I think, changed the tone and how the defense approaches everything as well. I mean, I don't remember the last time we had this many dances and celebrations <laughs> when we would, you know, get a turnover or a sack or a big play. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch. I think for a little bit, it was difficult to watch the Packers defense because in previous seasons, because it would kind of be dry. And then when things did happen, yeah, it was great. But this unit, the defensive unit looks like they have so much fun playing together and that they truly enjoy it. And I think that elevates what they're doing um, completely. And obviously credit to the man, Mike, and his staff for what they've been able to do as well. I think it's just tremendous what they've been able to put together and going into the postseason, it's going to be huge again. I mean, I think playing at Lambeau is going to be just a difference maker. And then with the defense being as fired up as they are, and they, they're they a crowd defense. You know, when the crowd's fired up, they're going to get more fired up. And they're just so much fun to watch this year. I've really, really enjoyed it. There has been times where they've been exposed a little bit. But I think, you know, if they're able to clean those things up, then tremendous things can happen. Very cool. Well, that is your uh, Packers year in review. We're going to do a little bit more here and do some favorites from this season um, or from this year. So first thing first, we're going to start with your favorite game this year. So um, I'm going to start since you guys have been running on for like 7,000 minutes here. Um my favorite game was just a few weeks ago was the Monday night football game against the Vikings uh, when they got that got the win up in Minnesota. I just thought it was a really great game to watch. They played probably the most complete game that I've seen from them this entire season. And I'm hoping, you know, after the dud in, in Detroit early on, like I, it's just it was a game that they – came out with a specific game plan, they executed it well, and they got the victory over the team that a lot of us strongly dislike. So I loved watching that game. Dusty, what was uh, your favorite game of the year? Yeah, there's a few different ways I could have gone with this. Um, I kind of went, I decided to go back to week three and go to the Broncos game. Um, I almost went, honestly, Steve, just that Bears game just because we were there together and that game was, was friggin' wild. I thought that was too easy because we talked about that like forever. We talked about that a lot. Yeah, and that's the and it would make Sarah with. sad and yeah. So I'm gonna go week three Denver, uh, which I think was a game Sarah was actually at. Um, so now Sarah, now Sarah can be happy. I think that was the mm-hmm. first week, and, and I and it was not they weren't they, that stuff was not fully on display. But when I think of uh, where I really was like, okay, this is what this offense could do. This is a glimpse. I think of um, I think of that game. I think of uh, that was the first instance of the cheese wheel uh, that we've seen quite a bit since then. That was that uh, Vitali vertical release. Um, I think is is technically kind of more of a fullback sale thing, but we're we're calling it cheese wheel, uh, and they hit on almost got a touchdown off of that, and that was some of that, and some of the other stuff in that game was kind of a a culmination of of two games of setting up tendencies and then setting up these tendency breakers, and then you make teams account for that stuff. So I think of that play, and there's a handful of other ones in there, but that was the first game you're like, okay, you can you can start to see the vision there. You've got these, you had two games of set up that were, you know, fine, threw out some fun stuff. Then that game was the first one that really like, okay, now here's here's a little bit of what we can do. So I think there was other, and they also kind of just had that game front to back, if I'm not mistaken. Like that was, it was, 
not necessarily a yawner, uh, but it wasn't necessarily a nail biter. Uh, and the Broncos were not good at that point because they didn't have Drew Lock. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's my one. Just just looking at the offense, that was the one where I was like, okay, you can see what's going on here. Um, just a very fun game. Yeah, I think I could have easily picked that one too. Just like you said, there's so many different ways to go about it. Just because I was there and being there is a, a whole different experience. But another game that I really enjoyed watching was just the Oakland game. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people could agree. I mean, that was just amazing to watch. It was so much fun to watch. Every drive, something incredible was happening. And obviously Aaron Rodgers performed, like, just out of his mind. And everyone was losing it. And it was amazing. I loved it. Um, So just seeing such a dominant performance like that um, on the offensive side of things was a lot of fun to watch. And there's really nothing more to it than that. It was just one of those games where – Everything offensively just worked for them, and I'm sure, Dusty, for you, that was the best week to um, dive into all of all things offense, and so I would have to probably go with that one. The Cowboys game was a ton of fun, too. Was that Aaron Jones, the yeah. four touchdowns? That was a ton of fun. Yeah, with the, the bye-bye-bye. The bye-bye-bye, yeah. yep. yep. <laughs> that, yeah, that, was a, that one was a lot of fun. Um, all right, and then let's, let's end this with, who has been your favorite player to watch this year? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of obvious ones, so we tried not to go super obvious uh, with everything. I'll start. I had um, Elton Jenkins, where we all – I think there was a few of us that were, you know, calling that he should be the starter over Lane Taylor right away. Uh, I mean, that obviously happened within a few games, right? Week three or four, yeah. I okay. feel like. Yeah. It was pretty early on. And I believe, I mean, we know Lane Taylor got hurt, so there was something that, that went down. But the kid has just stepped up, like stepped right in, not a problem, and it has just been outstanding. And it's just fun to watch him not have a worry, not letting up pressures, not letting up sacks, and just taking guys and, like, toying with them and doing – even taking, like, two people at a time where he can go onto one one block right away, toss it, and then move to the second level and hit the, hit the linebacker right after that. And I think that was in that Vikings game where uh, Aaron Jones hit that big – that long touchdown run where some I saw something on Twitter of him taking on his lineman, chucking him, hmm. and then going to the linebacker and creating that crease for Jones to hit it. And I was like, God, this dude is good. So for me, it's uh, that's that's pretty fun to watch watch him play. Sarah, what about you? I'd have to go with Alan Lazard. I think so much of him was so surprising, and I loved I loved his story um, and his approach to everything. And and it was really interesting to hear Rodgers be so complimentary of him early on, and then not see so much of him early on. So it was kind of like, what's going on there? And then you know, in when is he finally got his chance and then made those big plays. I think that was against Detroit again, right? When he first kind of – was it against Detroit? Uh, that, that touchdown on the sideline? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, and he just – I mean, he came in and his number was called and he said, all right, I'm here and I'm pretty much here to stay. And after that, we've seen a lot of Alan Lazard. I think he's been – he's definitely, you know, that number two guy in the wide receiver position – and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch in years to come. I mean, he, his touchdown just this past week was tremendous. Mm-hmm. He is just so much fun to watch, and I'm very excited to see what he's able to do in the next, hopefully, couple of weeks. And just in general, I think, I don't. again, he's one of those guys where I don't know how um, he went undrafted because there's so many tools there that 
are just outstanding. And so for me, he's definitely been the guy. Yeah, there's a bunch of ways you could go with this. There's a handful of very obvious answers. Um, I'm going to go with a very obvious one, uh, and I'm going to stick on the offense because that's that's what I tend to focus on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Aaron Jones. Um, you know, this is not Aaron Jones is not coming out of nowhere. He's had a, a tremendous season, uh, but any <laughs> anyone who's been paying attention to the Packers for the previous two years have been like, well, if this kid gets more touches, he's going to be amazing, <laughs> and he's been getting more touches, and he's been amazing. I mean, and not not even just him. Uh, it's it's just his skill set and how that has allowed uh, LaFleur to be able to use him. And we've seen him – when we talked about that was that Chiefs game when they kept motioning him out and just getting him on a linebacker and he's torching linebackers. And that forces the defense to react and cover him a different way, which then opens up holes other other places. The fact that you've got this running back that can legit line up wide, which they're still doing with him, uh, or just be a threat to – I mean, one of the things with – a couple, a couple knocks on him were – he can't catch the ball, which was a dumb knock to begin with, so I'm not going to give it any time here. The other one was uh, injury-prone, which through the first couple seasons, yeah, been fine this year. Uh, the other one was uh, he's too small, he can't run, run between the tackles. He can. He, clear, he clearly can. Uh, he's small. The offensive line isn't is good enough that they're open holes for him. He's shifty. His burst, is, I don't think his top-end speed is the fastest, but his, his vision and burst are just so, so good. Uh, I, I, love, I love him. And I think that this is just a just a perfect place for him with this coaching staff right now. That that it sees the skills and sees how to use it, and it's all culminated to just a tremendous season. And just the, <laughs> the pairing of him and Jamal Williams together, uh, just just them on the field is fun, and them off the field has just been an absolute blast. So uh, when I think of this season, when I think of this offense, when I think of kind of what that has meant, I I, I just think of Aaron Jones and how they've used Aaron Jones and what he's meant to this team. And I that's it's obvious, but that's it, man. I love Aaron Jones. Same. Yeah, I mean, he's outstanding. I can't. There's nothing else to be. Nothing else we said. Wait, that's, can uh, we talk about his sweatshirt real quick? Because that's just another oh, reason to love yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> Go for I it. I loved it so much. So, in case I mean, everyone that's listening to this probably has heard, but our good friend Anthony Barr on the Minnesota Vikings told Aaron Jones in the middle of the game that the lights were too bright for him and to get off the field. And obviously we know what happened after that. (laughs) And so then that was just amazing. And then a few days later we see Aaron Jones with a a nice hoodie on. And what does the hoodie say? The lights are too bright for you. Get off the field. I loved it. I want a sweatshirt. I want that sweatshirt. But props to Aaron Jones for that troll because that is just – I loved that. That – too good not to talk about that real quick. That was a next really level. Solid. Yeah, next Very level good. troll. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so that'll wrap up a year in review for the Packers. It was a really, really uh, successful, a highly successful 2019. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ah, you got what I did there. Okay, I did. I like I did. Okay. Very subtle, uh, Steve. Mm-hmm. I try. I try. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just a great 2019. We're looking forward to uh, hopefully a, a 2020 that'll have a uh, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy again for the Green Bay Packers. But um, overall, it was a great year. We're looking forward to an, another 2020 being a great year again for the Packers. Before we get going, I did want to see did you guys, did anybody get like a, a really outstanding Christmas gift that they would like to brag about? Hey, eh? hey, eh? no. I don't know. Christmas was like a week ago. I don't know, man. Probably. We didn't talk. Everything was good. Everything out was good, but you're putting me on the spot, and now I can't remember anything. <laughs> Sarah? 
I don't like I I got an I my like big gift was an Apple Watch, but that's Ooh. not like I mean it's it's very exciting and I like it, but I don't know there isn't much like sentimental value if that's what you were looking for. It was just no, I was nice looking I was just looking for cool. Very much appreciate it. I'm, okay, I'm well more... that was my like cool gift. Okay, I've got one. Okay, I've got one. I don't know why this wasn't the first thing that came to mind. My um. My youngest brother got me. Uh, you remember with the, the the Simpsons episode Homer at the Bat with the with Daryl Strawberry yeah. and all that? Okay, well the, they formed the baseball team and the team is the Zephyrs and Mr. Burns is wearing this old timey baseball jersey that says Zephyrs and it's got like an old timey like red collar on it and everything. Uh, he got me a uh, Zephyrs jersey that <laughs> says Burns, Mr. Uh, number twenty eight on the back. Uh, I did not know there was a thing, and it's amazing. So yeah, that's Very that's cool. mine. As I got a I got a I got a Burns Zephyrs jersey. Very cool. I got a um, a handheld, like basically, kind of looks like an old Game Boy, but it comes preloaded with five hundred different old Nintendo games on it. Man, this probably got one of those. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, which is outstanding. Um, so, yeah, you, know, you can just scroll through and play pretty much any old Nintendo game you can think of. You can do it, and it's in the palm of your hand, and it's awesome. So, um, so I got so my youngest brother got one of those, and we showed it to a friend, and our, the friend of his, his first response is, "No one deserves a gift this nice." <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying about me, Dusty? It's <laughs> uh, just anyone, just any single person uh, is is not good enough for that present. But it's amazing. amazing it is gift. cool. Very cool. Uh, before we go, we forgot to make picks for the Lions game as far as scores go. I had Packers big. I think like 30-13 or something. So Okay. I missed it. I'm sure you did, Dusty. <laughs> How convenient that you had the Packers winning. Yeah, you're right. I picked the Lions in that game, Sarah. I picked the <laughs> Lions in that game. So uh, we do have to just argue, is this going to continue for the playoff games? I mean, we know Sarah's answer, but... I'm tired. I don't want to do picks anymore, man. I'm just tired. I well, think I that we should. Games. Dusty literally, on the record, said he didn't care and that he would yeah. eat the most. Stuff <laughs> this is very so, true. I just want <laughs> it to be over. <laughs> I just want this to be done. Is that Steve? Steve's been holding this fear. over. Steve's been holding this over all of our heads all year. Yeah, because I'm so, winning. I like, won. He's been Dusty, acting so you. superior. I've been tied with him all season. He's been acting superior all season. I'm just. I'm ready for this to be over. I You're don't not want to tied do anymore. anymore. You picked think the Vikings. About, yeah, I don't care. That's the thing. The loss. I start thinking about what happens if I lose. It turns out. I don't care if I lose. I just don't want to have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I like how your league, like, Steve, has been holding this over my head when that's literally been like two weeks. You guys were tied for so Man. long. I have been the one that has been. Yeah, but to be fair, sir, you've been, lo- you've been losing, so. <laughs> See, I don't like right, what this I makes. Forgot, I don't like what this I makes me do. That you I don't, don't want to see me as competition, Dusty. Yeah. So I shouldn't. I don't want to do this anymore. That's what I'm saying. I don't like what this made me do right now. I don't like that comment that came out of my mouth. I don't want to do you're this anymore. You're like you're breaking up with. Steve. I don't want to you're live like, this way. I can't do this. I don't like who I've become. I, can't. Yeah. I just fell out of love. I don't know when it happened. It's just, it just, it just happened. It's not you. It's me. No, it's you. Is the thing. It's definitely you. <laughs> uh, okay, apparently this needs to be tabled so we can make a decision. Because <laughs> Dusty's just going to pull out every cliche breakup line possible to... Uh, I am now, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well then we will, we'll figure that part out. Uh, but somebody will be eating a sleeve of most F Oreos, and uh, I will be laughing at that video. So, um, 
Before we go, we'll do closing thoughts. Uh, Dusty, I know you got a couple of things you wanted to get out to the world about your your articles and videos. Bunch of stuff. Yeah, this was, um, you know, man. So I, I only do passing stuff, and I do that because it takes less time to do it. I used to do the full game, and it just takes too long to do all that. And so I'm like, well, if I focus on the passing game, that's cool. But it also does not shorter when your quarterback attempts 47 passes. That doesn't make my job a whole lot shorter. So stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. Um so it took me a while to do, but yeah, I've got uh, my regular three pieces and, I, and a bonus. They're bonus in this week. So uh, yesterday over Packer Report, I did a piece on uh, Zadarius Smith pressure late in the fourth quarter. I think about three minutes. It was a third down play uh, late in the fourth. Uh, there was a twist between him and, him and Gary. Sarah mentioned Rashawn Gary earlier. He has been coming on lately. Uh, he's been really good. And just what I really loved about that one was it was, you know, Gary kind of pushing straight ahead and just kind of doing his job. Just the violence with which Zadarius Smith runs that twist, just the speed and how close he runs it over the line, makes that so hard to defend. And the, and the Lions actually try to pick it up relatively well. It just didn't work for them because Zadarius Smith is fast. So that was yesterday. Uh, today is over Passing Chronicles. I kind of talked about that already over on Cheesehead. Uh, that is, uh, I've, I hit on the the three different plays that ran out of the exact same formation, like legitimately same pre-snap formation down to the same pre-snap motion. In only one instance is any amount of the personnel difference, but they ran that in a couple different ways. That was fun. Um, I did four of the seven variations of mesh over on Cheesehead. That was a lot of fun as well. Um, a double wheel concept and a Lazard touchdown. So I think it was nine plays. I usually stick to like seven. It's a little big week over there. It was a really fun week to break down whether or not the game was fun. A lot of really fun concepts being thrown out there, which was awesome. Uh, tomorrow, over at Packer Report, I've got another mesh look that was the um, the one that MVS did not pick up on the sideline. Uh, and that was a kind of a mesh wheel concept. That was a lot of fun, so I, I broke that down. Again, really fun week for concepts. And then lastly is I did a video over – I did a YouTube video that you can find on Twitter, and it's on YouTube. And it's a um, – it's a, a smash fade concept, which they've run a lot of, and they've run that same thing on both sides. And I got to talk about kind of the differences between uh, the basic principles of cover two and Tampa two coverages, kind of what that means and how that how that changed, how that play is run. And I also got to talk a little about the illusion of complexity because they ran the exact same play with slightly different personnel and guys switching sides and all that kind of stuff. So really... Again, it was not not the best game in the world. They still they stay won, but it was an ugly game. A lot of really fun stuff to break down. So yeah, I've got a lot of stuff out there this week. Sarah, you got anything? Come up with anything? Or are you good to go? No, I'm good to go. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to leave it out there. I mean, Packers Twitter has my only semi thought final thought is that Packers Twitter just cracks me up. I, as much as I love it, it still blows my mind. The, the amount of people that can like hate on it and love it all at the same time. There there's crazy ass people out there that love the Packers and it's just uh it's been a lot of fun this season and I'm just excited that next week we will be talking about the Packers offense versus their uh divisional round opponent in the playoffs. So uh Mm-mm. that's gonna be an exciting time for us. So so it's gonna be really cool. I'm excited for that. But yeah, we will be back next Thursday. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher for at Steve Perhatch and as always for the Pack a Day Podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. Um looking forward to chatting with you guys next week for the Packers playoff game. Um and as always, go pack go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.